This morning, if you're joining us for the first time, we're glad you're here. If you're joining us online for the first time, we're glad you're there. And we are starting a brand new series. It's called Blessed. And I hope you are thinking and wondering and wanting to be blessed by God. And through this series, I'm going to talk about how you can be blessed, that you can stand in a position for God's blessing. And as I think about blessing and I think about thanksgiving and gratitude, it all kind kind of relates together in our sermon today is talking about being open-handed toward one another and open-handed toward God. Almost lost my balance there. You see, because to receive from God, our hands have to be open. And to share with others, our hands need to be open. And we can't share and we can't receive from God if our hands are closed in a fist, hanging on to stuff. Because God wants to bless us. He wants us to share And to complete that cycle, to give thanksgiving to God. John D. Rockefeller was born in 1839. By the time he was 23 years old, he was a millionaire. Every decision he made, his personality, his choices, had to do to how he could make more money. By the age of 50... He was the first billionaire in the United States. Amazing. That would have been about, well, when he was 23, it would have been about the beginning of the Civil War. He lived till 1927. But a billion dollars in the 1800s, how many billions would that be worth today? But by the age of 53... He was in trouble. A man that could buy anything in the world couldn't digest anything but milk and crackers. He couldn't eat. In fact, the best surgeons and doctors of the United States and of the world predicted that he would die that year. And in a dream, John D. Rockefeller remembered from that dream that you can't take it with you. And so he gathered his accountants, his attorneys, and the managers of his businesses and said, I want to invest in health and education and in science to make a difference. And when he did that, His financing helped create penicillin. It conquered diphtheria. It conquered tuberculosis. And it conquered, what was another disease at that time? Yellow fever. And there was something else I can't remember. Sorry about that. We have to look that up. Fact check me, okay? And at the same time, his body chemistry changed. And he lived another 40 years. 50 years. Actually, he lived to 98. Plus, was 45 more years, yeah, 45 more years 
of life because he opened his hands instead of closed them. The Apostle Paul writes about open-handed living and giving and blessing from God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 15 today, and I hope you follow along with me because I believe this is an important principle of life that if you're missing it, you're missing an abundant life that God can give you. Here's what Paul says, and he's addressing the Corinthian church, and it's in regard to a gift that they were planning to give to the Jerusalem church because there was a famine in Jerusalem. So here's the mothership that was starving, and here was a stepchild of the Jewish ship because obviously those Gentiles just weren't good enough, or they would have been Jews, and they were blessing the church in Jerusalem. Here's what Paul writes. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And you see, the goal is to be open-handed givers to cast our seed widely. The idea is that We are blessed to bless others. The idea is that in our increase, if we are given more, then we need to give more. And that's the most noble cause for making more money, to receiving more blessings, that we can bless more people more abundantly. We are just conduits of what we have been given. Look at verse 7. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In some translations, that would be a hilarious giver. Well, why would you be so joyful if you are giving to someone or to something else for a kingdom of heaven cause, to make an eternal difference, to invest in this life beyond this life. And it comes to this, blessing others generously is a delight and not a duty. If you're coming to that point where it's a duty, then don't do it. Because you're not understanding something. Everything I have, everything I've been given, every talent, every point of intellect, every skill, every ability has been given to me by God. The same is true for you. And it's only given that we might share in such a way that he is glorified. And so my challenge to you is to give with a smile and not a cringe. Give with a smile and not a cringe. Because you understand who it's come from. And here's the thing, and this is what I've been blessed with this week, because I've, you guys know that I preach a giving series or a generosity series or a blessing series every year. I didn't last year, but nearly every year. But this is the insight that the Lord has given me, is that everything I have is because of him. And I can give cheerfully because, you know, as he has supplied everything I have and up to this point, and, and I've been blessed amazingly, and so have you. 
that I can count on him to continue to do that as long as I'm a conduit and I live open-handedly. I thought, I don't have to worry about retirement. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. God is going to provide just as he has always provided. And he will do the same for you. If we will take him at his word, if we will have faith in him, that he is a supplier of every need. And let's look at the scripture because Paul tells us this. This is amazing. This is first century Christianity. He's writing this. Look at verses uh, 8 through 11. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Notice, all, 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 every. Do you believe that? Our challenge is this, to do all the good we can, while we can, every way we can. That is what we're called to do. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not always excited about this. We were at a wedding yesterday, and uh, one of our kids got, not not my kid, but one of our kids in our church got married yesterday. Really excited. It was a lot of fun. Had a ball. I didn't have to officiate. It was awesome. (laughs) I just ate and said, bless you, this is awesome. And so our daughter and son-in-law are spending the night. They have a dog. So I remembered to take the dog out last night, and I thought, okay, good, I, I got it done. I came out, came over and turned the worship center lights on. Uh, Jim Keen called me, and I, the lights were on, so I came over here, and then I remembered to go take the dog out. And I petted the dog. He's a pit bull, and so I, I did my job. I did my good deed. 6.30 this morning, daughter texts me again. Hey, Dad, we take out the dog. <clears throat> I was already at the church. I was trying to study for this sermon. I was thinking, I don't want to take the dog out. So I pause, have a little attitude check. So I text back, on the way to take the dog out. Poor dog. I, I was really not very happy, but I felt sorry for the dog. You know how it is. And the dog had to go. He was desperate. So when we see a good deed that we can do, we are, God has given us the sufficiency to do that good work. Now, don't lay that on somebody else. Don't lay that on your spouse. Don't lay that on uh, your your child or your pastor or your elder or whoever. That is God calling you to do all that you can because you are sufficient to do that good work. And notice what he goes on to say in verse 9. He says, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. God is our source and our supplier. Do you believe that? And the church should say, well, that was really weak. I'm not sure that I'm among the faithful. I was thinking I was preached to the saved that were chosen and already blessed, Dwight. Are you convinced? Pretty weak, not so much. All right, let's try that again. All right, church, do you believe God is our source of every good thing? Amen? Amen. All right, much better. All right, let's look at verse 10. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food, for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So here's how it works. Open-handed living 
It, we receive it from God. We, we, we give it to others. We support ministry. We do good work. And guess what? God gets the glory, thanksgiving. And guess what? He, that cycle just keeps going. The only time it stops is when what? We close our hands. That's spiritual reality. That is a principle of God. Now, let me just say that how, how blessed do you want to be? Now, my, my grandkids, they have a little sand scoop, and they can share like that. I have a scoop shovel in my, my barn. I can scoop with that. But I also have a backhoe with a loader, and I can scoop with that. Or I can get a bulldozer, and I can scoop with that. Or I can get a huge excavator or a crane, and I can scoop with that. The question is, how blessed do you want to be and, and how much good do you want to do? Because God's going to supply what we need. We are enriched. We have been made rich to be generous. Now, let me tell you about this church in Corinth. They were blessed, but they were poor. We, in, in today's standard, they would be the impoverished. But they were willing to bless the church in Jerusalem to a sacrificial point. And Paul was encouraged them because they were enriched to be generous, to trust in God for that blessing. Let's move on to verse 12. He says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saint, saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. This is crazy wild. This is unbelievable. You mean God is, God is giving and they're giving and it's going back in thanksgiving to God and it's overflowing. Now that's abundant life, isn't it? That is unbelievable. They were told to be a river and not a reservoir. They, they were told to keep it moving, to keep it flowing as God was blessing them. And then it goes on in verses 13 through 15. He says, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Let's stop here for a moment. Notice, by their approval of this service, this giving, they're glorifying God because of your submission that this calling to give to help in their need that, that comes from the confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you are believers, because they were believers, and the generosity of your contribution for them and all the others. This is what God was doing through this first century church in Corinth. And look at verse 14. It says, And while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God, for is it inexpressible gift? So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, this is all about grace of what God has provided. You see, the generous giver remembers that money is means to an end and not the end itself. I love, I love people with the gift of generosity. And I've had them throughout my, my ministry, throughout my life, many, many times. And I, I love it because they're all about 
investing in the kingdom. And they will kick the tires and push the vehicle and check things out because they want to know if where their money is going is going to have a return on their investment and they want to multiply because they want to scatter seed. And, and they give in such a way, they're not, they, they don't brag, they don't boast, they just invest. And they love to see a return on their investment into the kingdom of God. You say, Chris, that sounds like a lot like a business. It's sort of like a business investment. But they get the eternal value of where they're putting their money to make a difference. I can remember the first time I, uh, a guy came up to me, and I didn't know what was going on. He said, I, I just want to ask you a few questions about this ministry that was going on here in our church. And so I said, well, they do this, they do this, and this is what God's doing, and blah, blah, blah. And, and hmm. And then lo and behold, there was a several thousand dollar gift that went right there in that moment. We have anonymous gifts all the time that, that are large and small that go into ministry. A lot of our, our, our ministries have designated funding or they have funding like youth ministry has a fund and the children's ministry have a fund. And, and, and there are people that invest over and above their tithe into those ministries. When we have a need, God shows up in great ways because people believe in what they see and the return on their investment, the fruit of that investment. I just want to share with you a few reasons why I give. And the first reason is this. I like the way I feel about myself when I give. I started out, I've, my, my family, i got to tell you, when I started out as a kid, my mom, mom would give me a quarter and say, put that in the offering when I was a child. That's how I started giving. I didn't want to put the quarter in the offering. I'd rather go buy, the, a quarter would buy a lot back, back in the good old days, I, let me tell you. I didn't want to do that, but I did. And every Sunday, it was the same thing overnight. Here's a quarter. Give it to the church. Here's a quarter. Here, give it to the church. And then when I got into high school and I was going to college, my parents were afraid to give me money because they were afraid I'd give it all away. And, and they were afraid. And, 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 and believe it or not, I hang on to, you know, I give, but I also can hang on to stuff as well. Believe it or not, I can do that. But, but I like the way I feel because I'm helping others. And I grew up in a family that wasn't wealthy, and I came from a descendants that weren't wealthy. But, but you know what? I can remember, I can look at black and white photos, and maybe you can too, or, or, or what, a Super 8s or 8-millimeter films of a family. And, and, and I, when I look at them, they had a junky old car, and they were skinny. But I can always remember them having a big garden and uh, canning. And so no matter where we were, like on a Sunday uh, a Sunday meal, after a Sunday meal, they'd load us up with all the baked stuff and all the homemade stuff, and I didn't like any of it as a child. And they would say, here you go, and take it. Because they gave. Because they liked the way they felt, and they wanted to help others. Is why they did that. The other, the, another reason why I give is because the one I surrender my life to instructs me t- to be a giver. You see, God gave first in John 3, 16, one of the simplest verses in the Bible that everybody should know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave first. He gives first now. And then I give in order to position myself for God's blessing and protection. 
If you're a giver, you have the gift of giving, you understand this. That when I give, when I give open-handedly, I'm under God's blessing and I'm under God's protection because I'm obeying his word. A couple years ago, two or three years ago, I blew up two cars in two weeks. Two cars, both cars, and I like to take my grandkids in a car. I, I, yes, I run old vehicles. And I was just thinking as I was preparing this sermon, I said, I, man, I, I still don't get it. But right now, try to buy a used car. Try to buy, try to buy a car. I had, I had planned it out where I would have been buying a car during the middle of COVID. And guess what? Two cars broke down. So I got the opportunity. God providentially brought me a used car and was able to buy another car right in the right time at low value instead of high value because God took care of me. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. God does that. He protects us and he wants to bless you. I believe in the vision of our church. When we say guiding people home, I hope you hear the Great Commission to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's what guiding people home is all about, is leading people to our Father so they can know a loving Father, be a part of a caring church family, and have a life, or a life, what do I want to say? transforming, powerful life in Christ. You see, you should be generous wherever you are, but it's even better when you're in a church where the vision inspires you to generosity. It's all about the kingdom. Our church gives over $100,000 a year. Our, our children's ministry and our youth ministry have been fully funded throughout COVID. You guys have been faithful. But it's because we believe that there's something more than what just goes on inside of here. There's a world that's lost out there. There are people that have needs, and we want to meet those needs to do the most good, to be the goodest we possibly can be to help bless others. That's what we're about. And finally, I want to be an example to my children. I want them to grow up and say, Dad was generous. Dad was the first to give. And I want that for you. Finally, I want to one day hear God say, well done. You invested. You made a difference. You were a difference maker in the lives of others. That people know Jesus because of what you did. That's what we all want, isn't it? A couple years ago, pre-COVID, there's a lady in our church, faithful lady. 30 years ago, she was teaching preschool. Her name was Jean Myers. She was tall. I don't know if she was six foot tall, but she was tall and lean. Sometimes she would walk to church. She drove this old blue battle wagon. I don't know what it was called. It was scary sometimes when she drove. But she was faithful. In fact, she kind of complained one time about not wanting to do preschool anymore. And preschool teachers are my favorites. Got to say, that's where I was introduced to the church in preschool in nursery and they loved on me and those are my memories of loving a family of God she was a preschool teacher she would sing and she would teach kids and we thought she wanted to retire so we retired her because we thought that's what she wanted you know what we did? made her mad so she came out of retirement she taught longer well I can remember some interactions with Jean, but 
She didn't even have a funeral, didn't have a visitation. We were just out on this cold hill having her, her graveside. And there were only about eight, ten people. Her niece was there. And she left an estate. Let, let me tell you what she did. She had this house and it was nothing. I mean, it was, I don't even know if she had a TV. The deacons would go in and wonder how she'd survived this house because she was very careful with her money. She left half of her house, the estate, to the church. She left a quarter cornerstone and a quarter to Campiliana. But let me tell you a little bit more about Jean. Jean, in her late teens, early 20s, went to Moody Bible Institute. And somebody in her family had died. And so she had to come back home and take care of her family. And so she worked and retired from the uh, license branch here in Brazil. So... So she didn't get to fulfill her dream of, of serving in that way. So when she died, she left hundreds of thousands of dollars to Moody Bible Institute. Amazing. It just blew me away. Now, she didn't do that so I could tell you a story on a Sunday morning. She did that out of service and sacrifice to a God she loved, to what she believed to make a difference for the kingdom of God. That's what this is all about. To, that someone might know Jesus in a better way. This morning, I don't know where you're at in relationship to God, in relationship to generosity. That's between you and God, not, not between you and me. I just want to encourage you, inspire you to do the most good you possibly can and, and live for Him in a way that he would say, well done.